But this morning, we are going to look, we're skipping. We're skipping the Lord's Prayer. Uh, last week, we were in verses 5 through uh, 8 of chapter 6. We're going to skip the Lord's Prayer, which would have been 9 through 15, and we're going to jump to fasting. And a couple of reasons why that is. One, because the Lord's Prayer is going to take us five, six weeks to go through. Also, I didn't want to begin prayer this week, uh, or, or uh, yeah, I didn't want to begin prayer, the Lord's Prayer this week, skip a week, and then start it the next week. So going to, to fasting makes it smoother. But what it also does is anytime fasting, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more, but anytime fasting is discussed in the Bible, it is always in the conversation of prayer. So it fits, it suits that we begin with fasting today and start talking about prayer next week. Now, the question I, I want us to begin with is what comes to mind when you think of, of fasting? Um, if you just look at me, the word no comes to mind, right? No fasting. Um, it, I, I, it, well, you know, let's get out of the, uh, the way right now. Fasting is not a diet. So just because I don't look like I diet doesn't mean I don't fast. But fasting is not dieting. Now they'll tell you it'll help your diet, maybe, uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Maybe when you think of fasting, you think of somebody like Gandhi. Now, none of y'all are old enough to have been around when Gandhi was around, but you've learned about him. You remember he was the, uh, I would have called him a freedom fighter, but he was an activist trying to seek India's freedom for England. That picture on the left is, is him in the middle of his hunger strike. Uh, and then you see that uh, the newspapers called it a death fast. Maybe that's what comes to mind when you think of, of fasting. If you Google fasting, you go in there and you see what it says. There's the first page, you get Wikipedia's definition of fasting, which um, you, you don't always want to trust, but this time it was, it was okay. Uh, you can find Christian sites with guidelines on how to fast. You can find secular sites. They're talking about cleansing and immunities and, and diet, uh, dieting and those kinds of things. So... The culture will tell us fasting is one thing. Some Christian groups will tell us fasting is another thing. So we have competing messages. And the problem is, fasting is not a common subject in Baptist churches. Um, you know, gluttony is not a common subject in Baptist churches either. And uh, I, I will... I mean, one of the reasons that I've lost the few pounds that I have is because I really felt convicted about that. I, I, I see, I've seen preachers, Baptist preachers in particular, that are large, and, and I, it just, it hurts me. And I said, you know what, I've got to fix that myself. But we don't talk about fasting either. We don't talk about food at all unless it's to invite you to eat it, like at a Super Bowl party. But if Jesus talked about fasting, it should be talked about by us. It should be talked about in the Baptist church. I mean, we as Baptists say we are people of the book. I mean, that is our, our, our number one claim. People of the book and water baptism. Uh, that's, that's us. So if, if Jesus talks about it, we need to talk about it. We can't skim over it and say, oh, well, that was for somebody else. So turn with me, if you haven't already, to Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. And it says, whenever you fast, don't be sad-faced like the hypocrites. 
For they make their faces unattractive, so their fasting is obvious to people. I assure you, they've got their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that you don't show your fasting to people, but to your Father, who is in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. I feel like, and I think I'm right, that when, when we preach on this verse, because unless we preach through the Old Testament a lot, and, and you know, I only get, currently, I only preach on Sunday morning, even when we were doing a Bible study, you know, that's only 104, 100-ish messages a year. It takes a while to get through uh, the Bible. W.A. Criswell, pastor of First Baptist Dallas for 55 years, began at Genesis 1-1 in the uh, 30s or 40s, and he finished in Revelation in the 70s or 80s. I mean, it took him that long, nearly his entire time at First Dallas, to preach through the entire Bible. People uh, talked about how, when they talked about when they joined First Dallas, they didn't talk about it in months and years. They talked about it by the book they came in. Oh, I came in Corinthians. I came in First Corinthians. I came in Ezra. Because they, it was that well known and that obvious. So, my point is that there are a lot of times that... Fasting is discussed in the Old Testament that we haven't gotten to and may not for quite some time. A few times in the New Testament, but we just don't talk about it much. So we've got to say, answer this first question, I think, what is fasting? Or, or what fasting is? We look to the Old Testament quickly and we see that fasting comes in two general ways. It's either corporate fasting, meaning the entire, in this case, country, and individual fasting. That's, that's what we see. The Old Testament required it of everybody on the Day of Atonement, the, the Jewish New Year. Everybody had to fast on that day. There was no eating, no drinking, no sex, no washing. Well, that explains the previous one, right? You couldn't wash. No anointing of your head. You couldn't even put on your sandals that day. I mean, you could do nothing. You, you had to fast from everything on the Day of Atonement, and that was required for everybody. Later on, uh, three other required fasts, uh, three other fasts were required for various holidays commemorating past events. But the, only, the, the biblical one was that one on the Day of Atonement. Now, it was set up so that they could call a, a national time of fasting for a crisis that they were going through or something like that. And it, it seems that like individuals fasting for something was extremely rare. And we also see, just like we see in this passage from uh, what Jesus said, that there were numerous examples in the Old Testament of saying, don't fast hypocritically. Don't do uh, a fasting for show. Don't do a fasting uh, for other people to see. Okay, well, let's jump to the, the New Testament and what fasting is. Old Testament, no eating, drinking, sex. It was, it was, it, you, you stopped doing everything for that period of time. In the New Testament, we only have one recorded fast of Jesus, and that's when he spent 40 days in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for those 40 days. He only talked about it two or three times, once where we are... Uh, here, uh, once when he was questioned about why his disciples didn't fast, and another time when he was talking about the two men who went to the altar to pray, the 
the Pharisee and the tax collector, and the Pharisee brags about how often he fasts, and, and the tax collector, if we remember, is, is humble and, and admits his, his sinfulness before God. Those are only three times that Jesus talks about fasting. And he tells the Pharisees who asked the question about why don't your disciples fast, he tells them there's no, the, 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 uh, the groomsman, the party doesn't fast when the, bri- the, the groom is around. Meaning the, you fast because you are, particularly the, the Israelites would fast, in looking for the Messiah and, and, and calling for hope and we need help. Well, the disciples knew and Jesus knew that they're Their hope, their help was right here among them. They didn't need to fast to seek God because here was God in the flesh next to them. Now, they they would still obviously fast on the Day of Atonement. He's talking about that personal fast of needing uh, a relationship to increase that relationship with God. What we do see in the New Testament, though, as I said earlier, is that... uh, Fasting is always joined with prayer when, when seeking focus on God, seeking help, seeking um, God's, if not direct intervention, God's blessing. We see it particularly when the church at Antioch sent Paul and Barnabas out on the first missionary journey. There was a time of fasting and prayer before they led up to the, the lay, laying on of hands and sending them out. Paul talked about in his letters about how he fasted often. Not as a brag, but as, a, uh, as he said in other places, what you see me do, you do as well. And then we also see in the New Testament that it is, as in the Old Testament, called for by leadership at times of of intense seeking. So fasting can be as simple as you don't eat for a period of time. It can be, and, and in the Old Testament, when they were, there was a famine or a drought and they were called on, a fa- uh, called on to fast, it was a simple fast. It was a couple of days of, of, of no food. But as the drought or the famine might wear on, then it would grow more intense until you were getting to what would have been kind of like the Day of Atonement fast where you weren't doing anything. You were spending your day, no food, no water, nothing, on your face before God. But maybe you're beginning to see the, the point of fasting already before I even tell you. It's to, to take those worldly things away. And, and not, not worldly as in bad things away, but those things that make us focus on ourselves, our, our needs, our hunger, our thirst, our, our desires. All those things that, that are, we think we've got to have, God says, you know what? You can put even those things aside for a time to focus on me when there is a greater need than your hunger, your physical hunger. Well, what fasting is not is also, I think, begged here, a question that's begged here. Let me, just a second, let me see if I can get this thing to stop popping. Sometimes it's as simple as the connection. Sometimes it's not. What fasting is not is it is not required by the Bible. Yes, it was required for uh, Israel on the Day of Atonement, but that was Israel, and, and this is us. We don't celebrate the Day of Atonement as they do. Our, our Day of Atonement was Easter, uh, when Jesus rose from the dead and proved that his sacrificial death on the cross three days before was enough. 
So we don't celebrate the Day of Atonement. So it's not required by the Bible. It's not required on Friday. It's not required at Lent. It's, it's, there is no requirement specifically in the New Testament to ever fast on a, uh, a particular day or anything. It's not, fasting is not a meaningless habit. And oftentimes that's what it becomes is a meaningless habit. But y'all, let me, let me throw this out there for you right now. Everything we do as a Christian, if we are not careful, can become a meaningless habit. Church on Sunday morning can be a meaningless habit. I come because I'm supposed to. I don't get much out of it. I don't really care to, but I'm there. So I've checked my list for the week. Church, got it. Lunch, got it. Work Monday, got it. And then we get back around to church, got it. It's just another one, another thing that we do or don't, as the case may be. Uh, fasting is not a regularly scheduled event. Again, in the New Testament, there was no, no uh, requirement. There was no instruction, fast this many times, fast on these days, fast for this event or that event. Uh, fasting is not anybody else's business to a certain extent. Because here in a couple of minutes, you're going to tell me, well, that's none of your business. And I'm going to tell you, yes, yes, it is my business. Uh, fasting is about God. Dramatic pause. Fasting is about God. And Jesus taught it. Well, we just can't fix that this morning. I don't know what's wrong. Jesus taught it, so we have to talk about it. So now let's get to the passage. Are we clear on what fasting is, what, what fasting isn't? Is it required, is it not? It is not, and it's giving up something that is a basic need in your life in order to focus on the most important need in your life, God. Your relationship with God, what God is going to do in your life. So what did Jesus say? Well, first of all, Jesus said, do it. And no, he didn't give a command. You must fast. But look again, as in other, it must be my batteries. Can you go get me a couple of extra batteries, please, honey? Uh, whenever you fast, whenever it happens, again, yeah, not if it happens. Jesus is expecting us to fast. Now, you would think, you might think, well, if he's expecting us to do it, why didn't he lay out particular guidelines for it? Well, I think that's because the guidelines have been uh, laid out already. The Old Testament tells us about fasting, national crisis, times of extreme need for God. It, it's, it's pretty clear in the Old Testament. We also see that Paul talked about it, the church of Antioch did it. Jesus knew there will be plenty of biblical examples on when and how to fast. And that's what we see. So Jesus is just assuming that we will do it. And then he says, don't do it for accolades right after. He says, don't, don't be sad-faced like the hypocrites. Uh, they're getting their reward. So he says, do it, but when you do it, in verse 16 and 17, don't do it for accolades. Don't, don't look pitiful. Don't follow the public fasting rules, because what do I mean by that? Well, remember I told you on the Day of Atonement, they weren't supposed to wash. They couldn't take a bath that day. They couldn't anoint their hair. They wear perfume and, 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 and couldn't even put on sandals. I mean, it wasn't a, you didn't look that nice, 
the Sabbath, you couldn't wash clothes or any of that kind of thing anyway. So the atonement, it's like doubling down on those, those rules. So you could look pretty rough on those days. Now, chances are on the Day of Atonement, you didn't get out much either, so nobody saw you. What Jesus is saying, when you fast individually, when you pr fast privately, don't look like you do on the Day of Atonement. Don't wear your dirty clothes and your, and your, your, your messed up hair, your bed head or whatever. Don't, don't go ahead and, and take your bath, he says. Go ahead, and if you normally put stuff in your hair, put stuff in your hair. And if you normally wear perfume, wear perfume. Don't walk around uh, town on the days that you're fasting. I'm so hungry, but it's okay, I'm fasting. It's spiritual. Oh, God. All oh, that donut looks good. I could eat 20 donuts, but I can't. I'm fasting. That's, that's what we do. I, and, and, and you don't, because... Well, let's be honest, we're Baptists, we don't fast that much. But others do. Uh, you know, other, other groups that do, they, they, they make a show. And I, I'm, and, and I don't, you know, I, I'm, I did not get up here this morning to bash any particular group. Uh, but what, what came to mind as I was thinking about this was, yes, Fridays and, and, and no meat. You know, I, I grew up this size in Mississippi, and I've told y'all before, I could not tell you where a Catholic church was in Meridian, Mississippi. I'm sure there are some, but I don't know. So lunch was the same at school every day of the, I mean, every day. Nothing special on Friday, except when I was at one particular private school where we had pizza on Friday, you know, but it wasn't fish. So when I moved to Louisiana, well, nice mix there of Catholic and, and, and Protestant, it, it threw me my first few weeks, couple of months at, at school when every Friday we had fish. And, 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 and we had to. I mean, they didn't even offer. I think we had baked potatoes or salad, but, but we had, it was, the meat was fish. And don't make a show of your spirituality. Don't make a show of your fasting, of your setting apart. I, I actually kind of, and I know a lot of Protestants that do this too, but I, I kind of feel the same way, and this is coming up, about Ash Wednesday, wearing the ash on your forehead. I, I don't have a problem with it other than why are you doing it? Because those ashes don't do anything. The motion, the cross doesn't do anything. If you're doing it for show, to show people how spiritual you are, then, then we, we have a problem. That, see, remember, it all can become a, a habit, a, uh, a religious, well, we just do it because we have to, a meaningless habit. So don't, don't do it. Then he says, he's, he's saying here, don't brag about it because it's ineffective. Remember, our, our prayer is the same way. Our almsgiving is the same way. If we do it for the show then we're getting all the reward we're going to get. I mean, I, I, I firmly believe, and I, the more I thought about it this week, the more I believe, that if we pray in order to affect other people, and, and here I'm talking to me particularly, and to deacons who pray out loud, and, 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 and Mike who, who prays out loud, those kinds of things. If we are praying for you when we pray out loud, and I don't mean 
lifting you up in prayer. I'm, I mean, praying so that you notice the prayer. Then I think our prayers are not getting above the lights. I believe they are ineffective because we have gotten our reward. We have gotten what we wanted. You heard, you either thought they were good or you thought they were, uh, oh, that went well with the sermon or whatever, and that's all that's going to happen. I, I don't believe God answers those prayers when we pray them in a showy fashion in order for the applause. I don't believe God blesses our giving when we give in order for other people to see our giving. And I don't believe God hears the intensity of our prayer, hears our, our supplication, hears our repentance, hears our penitence, hears anything from us when we are doing these fasting things for show. Our, our prayer is no, no greater, no, no answered no more quickly, no more loudly if we're doing these things just so other people can see us. And that's where I go back to no meat on Friday and, and, and the ash. If, if I'm doing those things that may truly be reverent and, and spiritual and meaningful in my life, but I'm doing them for show, there will be no reward, no, uh, no, no spiritual growth from them because my reward is other people seeing that I'm doing something spiritual. So that's, that's where I am on that. You brag about it, it's ineffective. He says in verse 17, look normal, act normal. When you're fasting, when you're uh, hungering for God, you don't walk around bowed over holding your stomach. And, and he's saying, it's, it's, it, it's got to be about me and you. Jesus is saying, it's about, got to be about you and our Father. That's all it's about. That's why I say it's nobody's business. But while I, while I also say it's nobody's business with a cert, to a certain extent, because leadership can call us to fast in a special time, a special time of need. And that's what we're going to be doing as a church. I will be calling us to fast leading up to our, the beginning of our outreach. Look normal, act normal. He says in verse 18, it's about your relationship. He says, uh, so, that you don't, so that you don't show your fasting to people, but to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And I think this here is the point of fasting. God does not hear us any better when we're hungry than when we're full. Okay? God doesn't hear us any better when we have... Uh, cow in our stomach or fish in our stomach. God does not hear us any better based on what we do when we pray, whether it's fasting, whether it's kneeling at an altar, whether it's coming to a pastor or a deacon or something else. Those things don't make God hear us any better. What those things do, though, is force us to focus on God at a time where our minds may have wandered. Coming to the altar, kneeling to pray, is different from standing in the pew, looking at the screen, and praying. Not to God, but it is to you. 
Because you can be distracted by the words, by bad piano playing, by uh, something, by the person in front of you. Here, you're focused. Your, your, your prayer is not affected by whether you have a full belly or an empty belly. But on the day that you fast, when you, when you feel that rumbly in your tumbly, and, and you feel that hunger pang, that is your reminder that I have the bread of life. And I have something I need to take to Him right now. When you feel that, that thirst, I have living water. And I need to experience Him today. I have a need in my life that I need to talk to Him about. That is what fasting does. That's the whole purpose with, for fasting. When I'm hungry, I think of God. When I'm thirsty, I think of God. The problem is, most of our lives are spent when I'm hungry, I think of food. And when I'm thirsty, I think of water. And when I'm... Well, I'll stop. When, when, when I want something, I think of it. When our lives as Christians are supposed to be, when I, when I think of food, I think of God who provides the food and the fact that He's the bread of life. When, when I think of water, I think of the God who provides the water and the fact that He is my living water, so I will never thirst again. When I think of any need in my life, I'm supposed to think of God and how He, one, provides it, two, uh, is responsible for it, three, gives it to me, four, is my source of it, and five, even if I don't have it, I have all I need in Him. That is the point of fasting. Fasting is about focus. It's about sincerity. It's about discipline. It's, it's about focus in that I am focusing not on my physical needs, but I am focusing on God. It is about sincerity because it is saying to God, not out of habit, not out of uh, rote ritual, but out of uh, devotion, saying, God, I want you to know I am so sincere about this particular issue in my life. I am so concerned, I, I so want to spend time with you in this, that I'm putting aside these other worldly physical things that I think I need, and I am focusing on you. This is how important it is. Yes, God, I understand the rest of my life should be this focused on you. You should be this important to me all the time, but you made us where we have to eat, so he understands that. He made us where we have to drink, so he understands that. But on this day, I'm setting those things aside and saying, this is more important than anything in my life right now, including living. Eating, drinking, staying alive. That's not important. This is. I am sincere about this. And lastly, thirdly, it is about discipline. It is about me saying, I am willing to do something hard for God. I'm willing to do something hard just to hear from God. Imagine, y'all never going to fast now. Imagine if you're fasting and God tells you, that's great that you're doing this. And this was hard for you. And I understand that. Now, I have this I want you to do. And it's really, really hard. Y'all are now going to... Full belly, God, I can't hear you. But no, but it is me saying, God, I'm willing... Because let's be honest. I can travel somewhere to share the gospel, even in a place, even in a place where I might die. And, and I might even eat their, their, their kind of really nasty food and scary things that they eat. Um, but when you're asking me to starve myself, 
you are literally, and when you're fasting, and it's not this drastic, just this dramatic, I know, but you are literally putting your life on the line, right? I mean, that in, in theory, you are. Now, we don't fast 40 days like Jesus did. That's very, very uncommon. It was extremely rare that somebody would do that and that God would tell you to do that. And if he's telling you to do it, go for it. But it, it's not that common. But Jesus did. Jesus knew, I've got to do this for 40 days. He was putting his life on the line. So we are symbolically, by fasting for a day or two, putting our lives on the line. Are we willing to do that? And if we are, if we can discipline ourselves to that, God's saying, now, I want you to take another step up. I want you to put your life on the line for this. The hunger is a reminder. The, the desire, the pain is a reminder. And as I said, I will be calling on us as a church to fast. And here's, here's what it will look like. You will, uh, as we move toward uh, after this Sunday, and we begin discussing prayer uh, with Ted Elmore, I will be asking you to pick one day of the week. Uh, see, I won't pick Sunday because we go out to lunch every Sunday. That'd be obvious, right? I mean, if, if, if suddenly I'm, I'm sitting in El Rodeo and everybody else is eating around me and I'm looking at the chips and queso, not getting to eat my chips and queso, then, then that... that, that I've got my reward, right? Y'all feel sorry for me. Yay me. So I, I would never pick Sunday. I, for me, it will be someday during the week. Y'all won't know. My family will probably know because I won't eat. Maybe, maybe they'll fast the same day. Maybe they won't. If you are able. Now, what I don't want you to do is, 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 is fast from water. This is a food fast that I will be calling you to. One day a week. Eat supper before sundown. Don't eat again until breakfast two days later. So it's a real one-day fast. Now, I know some of us take medicine that we have to eat with. If, that's, if you have to do that and, and, and you say, well, is that okay if I take food with my medicine and, but I don't eat the meals regularly, regularly, I can do that, go for it. Whatever you can do to remind yourself that day to pray as we fast, do it. It'll be uh, about thinking. It'll be about five or six weeks because we'll end it the week before we begin uh, the the uh, the outreach here in Nixon. Before we begin handing out the Bibles, so we're looking at one day a week, five or six, and I'll I'll, I'll have a schedule for you more next week as we talk about prayer. But that's that's why I say it's nobody's business except in certain circumstances, because as the pastor, I'm asking you to do this. Can I make you? No. Because, will I ever know if you do it? No, I better not, right? You better not come to me and say, hey, pastor, Tuesday's my day. Like, I'm proud of you, and there's your reward. You got me to say I'm proud of you. So I, I, I can't know. I can't know if you break it. I can't know, but God does. And as I said, we've got a lot to pray about in our church. We have a lot of real uh-oh issues to pray about, but we also have a lot of outreach issues to pray about. We need to do more in our community to take the gospel to people that don't have it. We need to undergird. Our evangelism will not work without prayer. It will not work without prayer. 
So we need to pray that up. That's why I'm asking you, if you can't go out door to door with us, that you come here and pray. And if you can't come here and pray, you stay home and pray. But for that hour, I know that if we have 10 or so out, we have 10, 15, 20 here praying, we have 10 or 15 or 20 at home praying, I know that there is a battle going on and we got Jesus on our side and we're going to win that battle because our people are praying. We cannot do it without that. So that's what I will be asking you to do. So when you fast, go to work. It's going to come up. I mean, if you normally go to lunch with people or you eat in a room, it's going to come up. But how you handle it matters. Who you, uh, what you say when you do, oh, our preacher's making us do it. That might, you know, if, so you're after sympathy, sympathy's reward, your reward. Okay, good, you got it. So, you know, you handle it delicately, but y'all, it's also a witnessing opportunity, which is what I hope not eating meat on Friday is for a lot of people. What I hope the ashes on Ash Wednesday are for a lot of people, a witnessing opportunity. But it really depends on how you handle it. So that, that's what I will be asking you to do, is to fast and hunger on those days for God. Hunger for God's hand. Hunger for God's righteousness, as the Beatitude told us. Hunger for Him to come down and do something in your life and in our church. But this morning, I, I have, to, have to tell you that your hunger for God in fasting cannot begin without a hunger for Jesus in salvation. See, this morning you need to hunger. Maybe you, you've never, you don't understand what I'm talking about. You've never hungered for what it was you mean. You have a longing right now to experience salvation through Jesus. You're fasting, you're praying. Those things don't matter without a relationship with Jesus. I don't care how sincere your fasting is and how secret it is from everyone else. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus, your fasting and your prayers don't work. Because Jesus is our mediator. Jesus is the one through whom we talk to God. So if we're not going through Jesus, then it's not getting to God. So we've got to make sure we have that relationship right. This morning you hunger for Jesus. That you hunger for salvation from your sins. That you hunger for this, this relationship that saves you from death. That your sins are your, are, are, are your wage for. Or rather that, that death is your wage for those sins. It saves you from that death. This free gift of God that comes in the form of Jesus Christ. Very, very easy acceptance. Very interesting life once you have it. But there is a hunger that you need this morning. And that is for a saving relationship with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would, in this place, build up a hunger for salvation. There's somebody here that doesn't know you as their, know Jesus as their Savior. I pray that you would work on them. Let them feel that. Feel that need in their lives, that void that only a relationship with Jesus can fill. 
Lord, as we move into a time of, of, of concentrated prayer and fasting to see you change our church and change Nixon through our church, I pray that we would be focused, that we would be sincere, that we would be disciplined to come before you and pray, to seek your will, to, to want you more than anything else in our lives. God, I ask that you would do that in my life, that I would seek you, that I would want you more than anything else. And Lord, that you would do great things in this church and in this town through your people, your church. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, not only do you need to hunger for Jesus, but you need to hunger, Christian, for righteousness. Straight out of the Beatitudes, chapter 5 of Matthew. Do you hunger for righteousness? Maybe it is a first step this morning. You need to accept Christ and you want to come forward and make that public. Maybe you need to do other things that show your hunger for righteousness through obedience and baptism, through joining the church, through, through your work and missions and ministries, opportunities to be discipled like in the ladies' Bible study, opportunities to minister like in outreach. Maybe you need to pray about your heart that's telling you, I don't want to knock on somebody's door. Let me tell you folks, my heart's telling me the same thing. I don't want to knock on somebody's door that really probably doesn't want to talk to me either. But I also know that I've got to. We've got to if we're going to see the change happen. So this morning, I want you to come as you feel led and pray at this altar. As you feel led, come to me. Let me pray with you. But as we sing, let's do business with God this morning.